Well, happy Easter, y'all. You know, in the um, traditional church, the uh, pastor would begin the service by just walking out on the stage and just saying, Christ is risen, to which the rest of the congregation would reply, we got way more church folk up in here than I thought. (laughs) Now, if you really want a religious uh, experience and raise your religious game on this thing, then you got to do this thing in Greek, right? So one of my uh, investors, for example, I met him on, on Friday at Starbucks. We had a meeting, and so when I walked in, I greeted him with a Christos Anesti, which is the way that they greet each other at the Greek Orthodox Church on Easter Sunday morning, to which somebody replies, All right, Alethos Anesti. Absolutely. Now I'm just showing off my linguistic ability right now. But where I grew up, down the south side, I used to sneak over into an area called, back then it was East Chicago Heights, now it's called Ford Heights, and there was Christ Temple Number 2. And the pastor would come out, and he'd be real quiet, like, he'd just come out, and he'd just say, Jesus is in the house. <laughs> and everybody would just real quiet, like, just go, mm-hmm. And then he'd say it a second time, only this time a little louder. He'd say, Jesus is in the house. And now he gets a sporadic applause and a, and a hallelujah from the back corner. But now the third time, he goes, now I'm hunting for a witness. And he says, at the top of his lungs, Jesus is in the house. And everybody just gets up out the pews and they're clapping and hallelujah and amen and That's fun stuff, right? You ain't going to get none of that here. (laughs) You're a long way from the south side here. Well, whatever church that you're in today, we're all celebrating the same thing, which is the way we left it on Good Friday night is not the way that it stayed. The way that we left it on Good Friday night, it was game over. The stone was rolled in front of the tomb. Jesus was dead. The Pharisees were celebrating. The disciples were depressed. Everybody goes home just distraught. But the way that we left it on Good Friday night was not the way that it stayed. It was just a prelude to what was about to happen. Because on the third day, the stone was rolled away. Jesus stepped out of the grave. He conquered death. Christ is risen. Okay, that was your big moment. (laughs) Really, that was it. That was like, it all led up to that. Can I at least get a little, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm? All right, good enough. Well, there is something about Easter that always causes me to pause and reflect on my own faith and beliefs. And I think it's because it's such a crazy thing to think about, right? That Jesus actually rose from the dead. That it just challenges you to say, do I really believe this thing? Is this something that's really at the core of what I believe? And so Easter is really a mixed bag for me because... 
It's a very high religious holiday, and I have to tell you that the older that I've gotten, the more and more dissatisfied I've become with what religion has become. Religion, as it's defined, is a cultural system of behaviors and practices that are based on a common set of beliefs generally held by a group of people, often exemplified through rituals and keeping religious law. I was raised to be religious. I grew up in the church as a pastor's kid, no less, which explains a lot. But I started out in this religious trajectory from the very beginning that was almost meteoric. Like I was born in the nursery of Central Christian Church at Harvey, Illinois. I was raised in the Sunday school. I started preaching by the time I was 13. I was in Bible college by the time I was 17. I was ordained at 20 and started my first church by the time I turned 21. When I look back on that, I go, that's a little messed up. (laughs) I mean, that is a pretty big uh, stretch when you really think about that. In fact, I came across something, I came across some of my mom's old things, and she had saved this article that my college newspaper did on me that was entitled, A Man in a Hurry to Do God's Will. We got that? Yeah, look at that. That, my friends, is an evangelical stud, right? That is like Billy Sunday, the, uh, the, the sweater vest, you know, I, I could have I done some damage. But I was not just religious, I was like super religious, right? But here's the problem. When it came down to it, my family's faith could not be my faith. And as it turns out, I didn't have any faith at all. I was just being religious. And the problem with religion without the relationship is that it just leaves us empty. In those dark nights of doubt and despair and temptation, religion alone is not enough to keep us close to God, and so I grew further and further away from God with every bad decision that I made. I lived a life that was blatantly against what God wanted for me. Here's the irony. The irony is that I was trained in this stuff. I was trained in religion. I studied the Bible, and yet, I had no idea what Christianity was all about. While I preached about him all the time, I had no idea who Jesus was, who he really was, and what it means to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. And so I wandered off for a lot of years, trying to find my way out of the fog of religion and trying to find something that I could hold on to. Something that I could believe in. Something that was real. So I don't think that I was the only one who was raised to be religious. I think it's actually quite common. 
And here's the problem. We think that if we're being religious, if we're doing the things of religion, then we got it covered. That that's enough. If we just believe in God, if we say and do the right things, then there really isn't more required of us. One of the things that brought me back to my faith was the realization that Jesus was completely different than who I was taught that he was. And so this morning, what I want to do for this Easter is just keep it real simple. And I just want to share with you some thoughts, some little glimpses of who I believe the Jesus is that I know. And I think it's important to understand that the backdrop of the life of Jesus 2,000 years ago was that religion had become about something that it was not supposed to be about. There was a group of religious leaders who were called the Pharisees, and they believed that they were truly the holy people of Israel because they knew the Scriptures. They kept the religious law better than anybody else, and they acted like it. They said and did all the right things in order to give off the perception that they were not only super religious, but that they were perfect. The Pharisees were very concerned about keeping up their image. And because of that, they would never dream of associating with poor people or messed up people or sinners of any variety, quite frankly. I mean, let's just say that a Pharisee could never bring themselves to attend church at Westridge because there's way too many of us sinners up in here. The Pharisees were all about looking good on the outside while on the inside their hearts were hard and cold. So needless to say, that religion in that day was in crisis as it had become about nothing more than just keeping the rules, about nothing more than just doing the do's and don'ts and keeping up your image. So the Pharisees were in complete control, and they intended to keep it because it was profitable for them, and they derived power in their culture as a result of that. So it was into this extreme, legalistic, religious environment that Jesus comes on the scene. And if the Pharisees were considered to be the gatekeepers of religion, then Jesus was hell-bent on breaking that gate down and making God accessible for all people. So, needless to say, there arose a tension between Jesus and the Pharisees that continued until the day they had him killed. When you think of Jesus... What image comes to mind for you? Have you become so religious that you can't understand the relationship? Has religion become a barrier between you and God? Because you think you got it covered. Listen to the way that Jesus addresses this issue with the Pharisees. He says, Watch out for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, basically all the religious leaders. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplace and have the most important seats in the synagogue and places of honor at banquets. 
But really, truthfully, they prey on widows' money. They take advantage of people and make lengthy prayers for show to make everybody believe that they're so religious. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. And such men will be punished severely. Does that sound like the Jesus that you learned about? He was against what religion had become in his day. And he was about to take it on. Jesus was bound and determined to wrestle the door of heaven away from the Pharisees and open it back up for people like you and me. Unfortunately, there are a lot of religious leaders, even still today, who have tried to wrestle it back from Jesus as a method of control and power and in some cases even wealth. Churches that are led by pastors or priests who say, you need to come and join us, think like us, believe like us, look like us, because quite frankly, God is on our side and will always be just a little bit better than everybody else until you come and become one of us. But in the meantime, we'll be praying for you. I hate that stuff. That stuff drives me nuts. But that's not who Jesus is. Not at all. He didn't much care about keeping up appearances or being seen with the right kind of people or fitting in. In fact, Jesus hung out with people whose lives were messy. People who had all kinds of sin issues going on. And none of them would have ever been accepted by the Pharisees. None of them would ever have a seat at their table. None of them would ever been allowed in the sacred places of the temple. And here is Jesus loving on them, embracing them, and acting like these messed up people matter. And so it was against this background that Jesus begins to teach. There were literally thousands of people there that day gathered to listen to Jesus' first signature sermon. Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because they were out in the middle of nowhere up on some mountainside. Now, the interesting thing about that is if you're Jewish in Israel and you want to hear the Word of God, you don't go to some mountainside to listen to some newbie preacher talk about what he believes you know, religion is all about. You go to the synagogue. You go to the temple. So you get this impression that Jesus was teaching. It was more like a Woodstock than it was like a religious event. Minus, of course, the drugs and sex and all that. <laughs> so Jesus gets ready to deliver his big sermon to thousands of people. And I envision, this is just my vision, I envision that the worst of the worst people are sitting there front and center, right in the front row. People who would never be allowed in the temple by the Pharisees because they weren't good enough. Now sitting in the front row, listening, taking it in, soaking in all of the things that Jesus had to say. And there off to the side were the Pharisees, arms 
crossed, kind of smirking, just waiting for Jesus to slip up so that they could pounce. So, as the crowd begins to quiet, Jesus sits down, and he looks into the eyes of all of these messed up people like you and me. And he begins to say things that nobody had ever heard before. He said things like, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who have been beat down, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Small is the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Nobody had ever heard anybody teach like that before. It was not religion. It was real. And Jesus was different, and people knew it, but they couldn't quite put their finger on why. He taught hope. He taught love. He taught compassion. For hundreds of years, religious leaders taught that following God is strictly for the religious elite. It's all about looking righteous and keeping the do's and don'ts of your morality. And if you make up, if you screw up, then you better keep those mistakes quiet. And they worked hard to keep common folk like you and me out. But then Jesus shows up and he just blows the lid off of religion. And he says, following me has nothing to do with religion at all. It is all about the relationship. Religion without the relationship is empty. If religion is about doing, then following Jesus is about being. It's about who you are at your core. Jesus said it's not about how good you look on the outside or how good you make people believe that you are. It's about what's on the inside. It's about the heart. When Jesus says, come and follow me, he's not saying, come and be religious. He's saying, come and be in relationship with me. Come and give your heart to me. So the religious elite are just glaring at Jesus in this time. They cannot even believe it. How dare he say that these messed up people are somehow worthy of the love of God? And then just when they thought that it couldn't get any worse, Jesus says something so radical that nobody could believe it. Because he looks over at the Pharisees and he says, For I tell you the truth. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. I can't imagine the shockwave that gets sent through the crowd because nobody was believed to be more righteous than the Pharisees. If that's the case, how could they compete? How could they even come close to being worthy of the kingdom of heaven? It would be like if your kid came home 
and, and had all A's and B's on his report card, and you said, unless your grades surpass that of the valedictorian, you're not worthy. I mean, the bar was like incredibly high. But what Jesus did was actually take the bar and bring it down. And he explains what he meant later when he speaks directly to the Pharisees, and he says, look, you think you're clean because you're clean on the outside. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but on the inside... You're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of cup and dish, and then on the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy. And wickedness. How dare he speak to the religious elite like that? Jesus was turning it upside down. Religion had become about something that it was not supposed to be about, and Jesus was bound and determined to change it and saying, You're nothing but a bunch of religious posers. What Jesus was really saying that is unless you have a heart for God, more than just the rules and rituals, which is important to keep the rules and it's important to do the rituals, but if you just have that and you have no faith and you have no relationship, then you have nothing at all. You just have an empty religion. He says, you want to be great in the eyes of God? Then let your soul shine among men. Not your image, not your perception, not your reputation but who you really are at your core. This, this is the Jesus I follow. This is the Jesus I believe in. He could care less about how put together we are, how we make everybody believe that we have it all together. He just cares about what's in our heart and what we're about. The Jesus I follow, he's about love and compassion and hope and grace and he flies in the face of all the stuff that I hate about what religion has become. I used my disdain for religion for a lot of years as to why I couldn't live my life for God. But when I discovered the truth about who Jesus really is, it changed everything for me. There was nothing that I wanted more than to follow him because when you follow, when you find the real Jesus, you don't want anything else. That's all I want. Do you find yourself just being religious? Just going through the motions of just doing and not being filled with the stuff of God. Not being filled with the stuff of faith. Are you letting your religion become 
a barrier to your relationship with God? Are you caring more about what your perception is about other, to other people than you are about who you really are? Well, there are times that I am embarrassed to call myself a Christian because of the things that have been done by religious leaders in the name of Christianity. I am never, ever embarrassed to call myself a follower of Jesus because it is the only thing that I have found in this world that's real. Through my 50 years or so of living, I've learned a thing or two about traveling down the narrow dirt path that leads to Jesus. I've learned there's a big difference between religion and relationship, faith and reason. I've learned that following Jesus is not an easy road, but it sure is easy to lose your way. But I've also learned that there is no better life than the life that I lead when I am walking down that narrow path. So this Easter morning, I've made my choice. I believe in that Jesus. The Jesus who's risen. The Jesus who's conquered death. The Jesus who's full of grace and love and compassion. And I don't follow Jesus because I have to. I don't follow Jesus because I'm afraid of hell or that I have no other choice. I don't follow him because that's just the way that I was raised. I follow Jesus because when I don't, when I fall away, I just miss him. I miss him.